Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. You're catching us in the middle, actually finishing up, the end of a teaching series called This is Ephesians. And Ephesians is a book in the Bible, but it's actually, and there's other ones like this, they're actually letters. These letters were written to churches by leaders to support and encourage them and to help them. That was really, they didn't have the Bible back then. They had these letters and they circulated around and times when things were really, really rough. I mean, people are feeling weighted down and persecuted for their faith and a lot happening. And Paul, the, the writer of this letter, is encouraging them toward freedom they can have through Christ, even when they're getting tortured, even when they're getting persecuted and, and even imprisoned. Paul writes this letter actually from prison because of all that's going on, something greater that's there and available. And today we're wrapping up the series by talking something that's very, very intense, so if you came here and this is your first time, like, whoa, this is going to get intense. Uh, do we usually talk on this talk, topic all the time? We don't. We probably actually should. It's actually a very, very more important topic. In fact, Paul would lay out in Ephesians 6, he would declare this, this is war. We're going to talk about war here in a moment. Now, last week we honored our, our vets and that was awesome to do that. We appreciate who they are and what they do. And so maybe you do have served or do serve in the military, maybe a family member. So we all have different perspectives of war. We can turn on the news and we can see it happening all the time. But I want to share my war experience with you. Long before Call of Duty, long before Halo, long before, and I'll even date myself on this one, Duck Hunt, uh, there wasn't any of that. And my cousins and I, we were, you know, mid-elementary school, we, we did something crazy. We went outside and played. <laughs> we did. We went outside and played. It didn't matter whether or whatever. We, we went out and we played war. So we made fake guns, you know, sticks and hammered them together. We made our grenades were Italian plums. That's what you use as grenades. And so my older cousin and, and his, bro- so his brother and I, we basically would do a search for them, look for them wherever they're at, and our older cousins. And so we would go out and they would be hiding in ditches and bushes. And so we would get there and then we'd ambush them and we'd huck those Italian plums at them. And like, no, you missed. No, I got you and I missed. And I, I, I was thinking about that's probably why paintball has all those colors now, because all these years we said, you didn't get me. No, I did. You know, so the, all that was happening, but we didn't have any weapons. I mean, we had toy guns and we had Italian plums, but we had a great time. It was fun. No one got hurt. No one, no, there was no, I'm sorry, I don't have an, you know, ER, you know, emergency story to tell you on that, but we had a great time and we played all day. We played war games. Now, as, as much as that's fun, it's not real. It's not a real war. It's just a game. Now, real war is not a game. Ask any vet, ask any victim of war, they'll tell you that. And the horror war that goes on is is pretty intense in our history and currently even now. And yet, I want to talk here for a few minutes on another war. Another war that's much more bigger and much more comprehensive that we don't talk about much. In fact, we could forget about it. And the reason we forget about it, even if it's, it's very real, it's just it, you just can't see it. 
It's a war in a different realm. It's a spiritual war that's out there, and it's going on at this very moment. And the war that is, that, that is described and even and looked at in Scripture that we're going to look at, Hollywood could not describe it. Even in all the technology nowadays and all that can be done, there's no way they could, you could actually even understand the type of war that's going on. But know this, it's a real war, and it's not a game. It's not a game of, 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 uh, of fake guns and Italian plums. It is a real war going on. And this today, for some of you, this might be brand new hearing us, and you're like, whoa, this is intense. For some of us here, actually, been followers of Jesus for a while, we, we're aware of it, but how we can forget and how we get off track and really understand it. So Paul, the guy that inspired to write the end of this letter, feels like these, this church needs to be reminded of this hidden battle that's going on. And so he gives this to us as well. So when we get into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where we left off from last week, he says these words. He says this. He says, we're going to get it here. Finally, finally. What he's saying is that after all the things I shared, all the things that he declared, all that, that and all of them are very, very, very important. Finally, this. He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Now, I want to stop here for a moment. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about what I believe it is to be strong in the Lord. Not just to be strong, but to be strong in the Lord. And it's going to be absolutely critical when we talk about here, if we want to win in a war that you maybe you don't even not aware of that's going on. He goes on, he he says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What, what he does here is he, and we'll talk about the armor of God and this weaponry that, that, that God offers, but Paul describes the enemy. The enemy is Satan himself. And Satan doesn't play games. He's actually strategic. He's diabolical. He has schemes. In fact, that word scheme is, is so intense, meaning that he is plotting your demise and my demise. He is strategizing in a level that we can't even comprehend. More than even a terrorist or ISIS could manufacture and put together. It's a no holes bar scheme towards us. Now look at verse 12. Probably the most comprehensive verse in Scripture when it talks about this this battle that, it, that, that, that is, is a reality right now. He says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's pretty intense. And we're going to talk about here that in, in a moment. But I find it fascinating. There's another version, kind of a contemporary version of the Bible, that describes this war this way. And the, and the contrast is, I think really helpful. This is in the message. It's this. this there is no af afternoon athletic contest. That, I'm sorry. This is no af afternoon athletic contest that we'd walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. I, I, it, he's basically saying, listen, this isn't a fa your fantasy football league. Okay? This isn't touch... This isn't touch football. This isn't even the NFL. This isn't even, this is not a game. This is war. And there's, there, there's lives at stake. It's life or death. 
It's a fight for the finish. It's, it's so intense. See, the, the greatest challenge with this battle as, we, as we're looking at this, and this is so important, we don't see it. And if we don't see it, what do we do? We, we minimize it. It's not maybe that, not that important. It's absolutely critical. It's probably more critical than, than your physical lives right now, where we're at at this point. And here's the, here's the danger in it, is that you're not, we're not aware of it. That's scary, isn't it? It's dangerous of the things you're not aware of. And yet we need to keep in mind, it was like, how, do we, how can we compare this with what's going on in our own physical world? Well, here's the thing. There's certain things you see, or I'm sorry, there's certain things you, you know that are true, but you don't see. Gravity, you don't see gravity, but you've experienced the, the effect of gravity. If I, you know, stage dived, which would not be fun for these people in these two rows here, you're, you might catch me or you might, I might squash you, but I can't stage dive and float in the air, okay? I don't have that down, okay? I have a lot of talents, can't do that because gravity exists. And it's the same thing with love or hate. They exist, you just don't see it. And there's a spiritual war going on. It's just the same. It's totally real. And he says this, Paul breaks it down with this. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The word flesh here, or sorry, struggle actually means a, it's a wrestling term. It means to you know, really go at it and really battle, really get involved. And see, in the headlocks of, of our life, right, when we're kind of taught, you know, caught and we're struggling, we can, it can get very, very intense for us. And we kind of forget who we really are fighting. Let me ask this question. Who or what are you struggling with, with the most in your life? Who are you struggling with or what are you struggling with the most? Some of us are struggling with sickness. Some of us are struggling with problems. Some of us are struggling with people right? There's people that you're, you're battling with. They're difficult in your life. There's a, it, it could be that, that jerk of a boss. It could be that neighbor that just drives you crazy. Because that coworker, it just seems like they're out to get you. And the reality is they probably are, okay? <laughs> I mean, there, there's people out there like that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that that's happening or not. I'm just saying that's a true thing. I want you to say that's a true thing. But other than that, even they're like, even if they're out to get you, they're not your real enemy. You're not their real enemy. There's a bigger enemy. There's the enemy, the enemy of our souls that Paul describes as Satan. They don't want to talk about it much, do we? But there's a real war that's going on, and there's a real enemy, and we are just mere mortals, okay? The real enemy is the one that's unseen, and it wants to take you out. And you got to keep hear this very clearly. The devil is desperate, He's desperate, and he's going to do all he can to take us down, he, to take us down, and, and recognize that his time is coming. In fact, the Bible and, and you know, God's design, design and wisdom on all of us is that he's called the God of this world, and, and in our age, he's called the God of this world, and he has a demonic army that, as we read earlier here, that's made up of rulers and authorities and of dark forces, now, we can't go into details of all that, what that means this morning. Just know this, that's the horde of hell that's plotting your demise, wants to take you out. You're thinking, whoa, dude, that's intense, right? You're talking about this today? It seems like, why today? I mean, can't we kind of get in a cheery mood for Thanksgiving or something? Like, why do we do it? We do need to talk about it because it's in the Bible and we've been talking about this, but this is the time and this is the moment. It's so important. You might be thinking here, well, are you trying to scare, scare us? Yeah, a little bit. Trying to get, get our attention a little bit. 
But we don't have to live in fear. Here's the beautiful thing. We don't have to live in fear unless you don't know Christ. Man, I would be worried. I'd be concerned. Because the Bible describes that, that, that we're slaves of sin. That our, that our, 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 um, our control is, is really the God of this world. In fact, Scripture says the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers that they can't see the glory of God. They can't see the cross of Jesus. What we had described here in baptism when, with Joel and what he experienced, people go like, I don't get that. Now, if you're here today and you don't get that, I'd love to explain that to you a little bit more, what, how significant that was. And so understanding if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to be in fear. You don't have to necessarily worry that, you're gonna, that the devil's going to take you out. But here's the thing about it all is Satan is a father of lies, and he's the great deceiver. And he wants to convince people of this. this I think probably the greatest tactic of the enemy is this, to, to, to get us convinced that he doesn't exist, right? If he doesn't exist, he, if we believe he doesn't exist, then there's, there's no war to be worried about. And there comes the great deception with that. It's true in our world, isn't it? People are just so caught up in what they hear and what they say, see and taste and touch, and that's what they care about the most. And there's another dimension Paul's pointing out. So here, if, you're, if you are a follower of Christ, you're in the lordship, the kingship of Jesus, and, and, and Satan is not your master. But here's, you need to be recognizing still, he's still your enemy. He's still out there to take us down. And he can't necessarily destroy us because of Christ and what he's done for us. But what he can do is deceive us, and he can trick us. And Peter says this in another place. So we need to stay alert. Watch out for your enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And the challenge I want to say today is just be alert. To be alert, to be aware, to be on guard. How do we do that? Well, know this. Satan is far from being God, but he is not human. He is stronger than us. See, the real enemy is Satan, but you know the second worst enemy? Who your second worst enemy is? Ourselves, right? We are our worst enemy. And one of the worst things about us is that we can settle in a place called pride. And pride can do this. Pride says, you know what? I I can be strong in my own power and my own strength. I'm going to do life on my own. You know, Paul says, be strong. What? Be strong in the Lord. But many times we, 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 our strength can be our liability because we can get overconfident. We can think we can do this on our own, and we believe that, and we deceive ourselves, and we become our worst enemy. Paul makes it very clear. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. The, the challenge to be strong in the Lord is you first got to admit that you're not strong. In fact, I, I want this thought, to hopefully you would really impact us all today, is this. The greatest strength is admitting your weakness. Your greatest strength in your life is admit your weakness. And so if you're here today going, Man, I'm always telling you holidays yet. I'm already kind of weary. I'm tired and I'm kind of not feeling very well. I'm just feeling down. I just feel like, man, I'm just struggling. I feel helpless. I feel vulnerable. I'm here. And I want to encourage you. This, this is, I want to say that's great. You're like, man, what are you talking about? It's great because you're willing to admit that you're at that place. Because when we admit that we're weak, God comes along and goes, I can work with that. It's hard for me to work with prideful people because they don't want me. They don't need me. I can work with what's going on in your life if you're willing to do that work. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So we recognize this battle that's going on and that we can't fight on our own. 
that would just be playing with toy guns and, and fake grenades. It won't work. But Paul gives us a strategy, a battle strategy to prepare us that we're going to look at super, super practical and has everything to do with getting dressed. We appreciate you coming today dressed. We want you to know that. We appreciate that. Now, some of you are just planned people and, and socially conscious people. So you plan what you're going to wear. In fact, yesterday you looked in your closet. You picked out, you're going, I, oh, church tomorrow. I'm going to make sure this shirt's pressed or this outfit's done, you know, ready to go. So when you woke up in the morning, you're like, I'm wearing that. Some of you woke up in the morning way late. And you're going, oh my gosh, what am I going to wear? Okay, I'm wearing that. Okay, some of you came in here. And I want you to know, we can tell. We can tell what you, no, I mean, that's terrible. Oh, that's, that's bad. You're like, well, look at you, dude. Well, I got my good jeans on. Okay, that's, that's about as far as I go and dressed up. It's not about getting dressed or dressed up. We're just glad you're dressed. Okay, we're glad you're dressed. But I want to tell you this, as, as much as that is physically true in our lives, there's a spiritual dressing. There's spiritual clothes that we're put on. In fact, it's not beach wear, it's battle armor. We're called to put on that we're going to look at because he goes on, he says this again. He says there's a, this full armor of God. He says, therefore, again, put on the full armor of God. Now, what is the full armor? We're going to get to that, but don't miss what he's saying. Put on the full armor. You don't put on something you don't want to put on. You have to choose to put it on. But you see, listen, if you got your life figured out and you got your thing going and you're doing what you're doing in life and you're fine, you're not putting on anything God's want you to have because you don't think you need it. And when you don't think you need it, that's your greatest weakness rather than your, than your strength. He's basically saying, put it on to be ready. Why? Here it is. Look at what he says. When the day of evil comes. Now, when's that? When's the day of evil? I don't know. It could be today. Today? The day of evil? Yeah, it could be tomorrow. It could be Tuesday. We don't know. I don't know what your Tuesday looks like. You're going like, man, I'm meeting with some people that are evil. I don't know if they're, you know, I, I don't know who you're, what your week's going to look like, but it doesn't matter. Prepare for the day of evil. He says, be ready of the day evil comes, to, to, to be ready for it. We, we don't know when that is, but it's time to get ready. It's time to be prepared. In fact, can you turn to someone right now? Because this is the moment in the message people are checking their phones and, and, and kind of, they're kind of a little bit drifting a little bit. And you're kind of, can you nod the person next to you and tell them, be ready. Be ready right now, okay? Be ready. For what? Okay, get ready. Here we go. Get ready, be ready. Here it is. So Paul says this next. You, is this, that you would be able to stand your ground. He says this, to be, be ready, days of you, be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, he says to stand. I think Paul's making a point with the stand thing, don't you think? To stand, what are we standing for? Well, imagine, you know, infantry of an army. And in a battle, in a war, they, it was all so important that they would hold the battlefront. They would hold the line. That the, 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 the soldiers are waiting as the enemy pushes forward. They're going to hold that line because if they let the enemy get past them, man, it would destroy maybe the entire nation that they're trying to protect or the base that they're trying to protect, whatever it might be. And Paul's saying, listen, you got to stand, but also not just stand, but you got to stand firm. You got to get in a fight stance. You got to be prepared spiritually. It's like us standing out on the water right now with the raging white cap waves coming at us and like, you know, you can't, you, you can't just stand there. You've got you to gotta plant yourself. You've got to stand firm. And Paul says, the stand firm in what, though? What would we be standing firm in spiritually? 
Well, we're standing firm in our convictions, aren't we? We're standing firm in our morals. We're standing firm in what we really believe. And we're taking a stance. It doesn't mean like we're trying to protest or anything like that. We're just holding on. We're, we're, we're enduring. We're, we're, we're holding our ground in life. And he says to do that, though, just to stand, to stand firm, that's not good enough. It's not good enough for what you're having prepared for. You need to get ready. And that there is a weaponry available that you need to open up and to put on and get dressed spiritually. And that's what I want to talk about here in a moment. Just a few more minutes here about spiritual armor, heaven's armor that's given to us that he goes practical detail about that's hugely symbolic but it's so important for us spiritually. And what it requires for us to do when we do this is to put aside our toy weapons, our fake grenades, and pick up this real heaven's military-issued armor. He says this in verse 14. He says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. He starts with the belt. And I think, I don't know if I would, that was the, that's what you start with, to get a good belt. And, and, you know, what does a belt do? Well, you know, it holds our pants up. That's what a lot of times we use our, our belts for. But back then they didn't wear pants. They wore dresses. Even men wore dresses. They actually had a more masculine name for it. It was called a tunic. And so they were kind of short dresses. You kind of picture those Romans, you know, and they had the short, uh, but, but they, but to run as a, you know, you ever try to run in a dress? Okay. It's not really that, you know, easy to do. And so what they do is the belt was for them to tuck up their tunic. You ever heard the term gird your loins? You ever heard that? Like that sounds personal. I don't know if I want to gird, gird my loins, but that's where that came from. You would hike them up and you would tuck it in. And you would be able to run. You'd be able to move in the way to be prepared. Now, so he's saying he uses the term a belt, which is very appropriate with truth, that we need to wrap ourselves, surround ourselves with truth. Paul's basically saying this, hold tight to the truth against the ambush of lies. Hold tight to the truth against the ambush of lies. We, we, every day, we, you know, we turn on fake news. And I tell you, the fake news is not the, the real fake news is not the news that you're watching on, on a screen, though you can judge that and whatever you want to do. There's, there's greater fake news out there. It's the fake news of, of the enemy, our, our devil, to bring schemes towards us and to hurl lies at us. And he'll use, yeah, he could use media and culture to do that, but he uses each other. Us, each other. We don't realize it sometimes, that we can get sucked into lies that are out there, lies that tell us differently about our belief of God, belief of others, and belief of ourselves. Let me ask, are you surrounding yourself with truth? Are you surrounding yourself with truth? Now, the source of truth is what? It's, it's God's word. And it's important to know this, that you're not just going to receive truth. You actually have to seek truth. Have you noticed that? You can easily get lies. They come at you all the time. That comes at you, but it's actually pressing in and seeking truth in God's word to be prepared, to get ready and going to battle. The battle might be in your classroom. It might be in your workplace. It might be on social media. It might be in your own home, in your own community, because times are going to get ambushed. And again, people are not the enemy, but Satan can use people to influence us in a negative way and bring a lot of doubt of who God is in our lives and who we are in 
him. And so it's important to seek truth, but truth is not just a principle. Truth is a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When we seek Jesus, you'll find truth. So we need to gird up God's word in us, wrap our mind and heart around it. And, and next we need to do in putting on the armor every day, we move from truth, we move next to what Paul calls the breastplate of righteousness in place. To put the breastplate of righteousness in place. It's that, 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 sh- that battle armor, you know, that you put on to protect what? The most vital organ you have. And that's your heart. Not just your physical heart, but it's your spiritual heart as well. When he talks about righteousness, he's talking about something very deep. It's really this, protecting the heart of who you are. Who are you really? Not just the ones on the outside, it's what's on the inside. And what you have here to protect is your character and your reputation is what you have. Listen, I, I've, I've received, maybe you have also received a lot of criticism in life. Not performing well, not doing the right thing, not, not, not completing an assignment, not uh, you know, lacking you know, preparation. I didn't come through. I've let people down. There, all that is, we all have experienced that. But I tell you, what drives a stake in my heart that I even feel it physically, is when someone questions my integrity. When someone questions my motive, it hurts, and I take it so personal, don't we? Because it's who we are. And we're called to make sure we protect our heart and to walk, though, as a person of character. See, if you want to walk in integrity, you have to live like everybody's looking at you. If you want to walk in integrity is you have no hidden gender, you have no hidden closets, you have no hidden life that you're living. You need to assume in your life that everybody's watching you. You know, there's this phrase about integrity is who you are when no one's looking. We live in a world today that everybody's looking. And so you can't hide from anything. You have a digital footprint. You know that. You know, you're looking up, oh, I need to buy Christmas lights. And all of a sudden you're just getting bombarded with Christmas lights. How did they know, right? We're in a digital you have a digital footprint, but you also have a spiritual one. The Bible says that your sins will find you out. Now, here's the thing about it. You can walk free, and you can worry. You don't worry about what people are thinking of you because you're, you're, you have integrity. Protect your heart. Another arm, uh, battle armor to be ready and prepared for is this, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes through the gospel of peace. And if you could picture like the... They're laced up sandals with cleats, kind of like Birkenstocks with spikes, okay? That's kind of what they wore back then, okay? And they use it like you do in an, like an athletic event. You wanted to grip that ground. You wanted to be running along. And they had a, and what it was is the goal was it that Paul's saying is to hit the ground running to advance the good news, the advance of good news. And what it was is when they talk about the gospel, the gospel is this declaration of whatever good news it is. And, and so that was something they said, well, the good news that we talk about is the good news of Jesus and what he's done and changed lives. And so, so we're, we're, we're advancing the gospel with this good news. And, and Paul says this in another place, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring this good news. You're bringing good news. Let me ask you this question. Is, uh, do you have beautiful feet? Has anybody ever complimented you on your feet? You're like, people are like, oh, you have, be- I just want you to know, uh, you have beautiful feet. Okay, that's weird, okay? 
That's creepy. I don't want anybody telling my feet. In fact, I got some pretty funky toes that I don't want to share with anybody. But here's the thing. You have, if you're bringing the gospel, if you're bringing the good news of Jesus, just like Logan did with, with his soccer coach, the good news of Jesus, that's beautiful feet. You're bringing that news. You're, you're delivering that to them. And what you're doing is it's a, it's a rescue mission. You're going behind enemy lines. You're going to people and say, hey, listen, Jesus won the war already. You're free. You can be forgiven. Come with me. Let me lead you away. That's good news that we're called to deliver. It's soul-to-soul work. You're thinking, that's pretty cheesy, but soul-to-soul. You know, that's bad. That's bad. You'll remember that. Of anything I said today, you'll remember that. And it's, yeah, it's not a Tom's shoe commercial. Okay. Um, uh, so the piece of armor, we go, oh, that was bad. I, piece of armor to get, to get dressed with next is this. Listen, in addition to this, he says, in all of this, in all of this, and all the things he's talking about, he says, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, the shield in Roman times, was, it was a concave sh- uh, or concurve shield. Uh, that's not the right word, but it's curved. And, and so it would protect not only from front, but on top. The arrows that would be shooting. Listen, your enemy of your soul is armed. He's armed. And it's interesting, he says the shield of faith. What's the opposite of faith? It's, it's actually doubt, typically. And so Satan's arrows, those flaming arrows are arrows of doubt. Paul's basically saying this, hold up your faith against the arrows of doubt. The arrows of doubt. Let me ask this. What flaming arrows of doubt are being flung at you lately? You're getting doubts coming at you. What is that? Some of you grew up in church or became, you know, have a Christian family. And what's happening is the doubt comes in like, what my parents believe and what my church believes, do I really believe that? Now, all of us should go through that period of time. We need to question in the sense for our own lives, for our own belief. Every single person should go that. You shouldn't just believe everything everybody else tells you. You need to investigate for yourself. That moves us from a place of doubt to a place of faith because you're getting more education about that. That's a good thing. But some of us, we don't do anything with our doubt. We just kind of let it go, let it go, let it go. And it bombards us and we don't do anything. And, and so criticism comes, condemnation comes. And the, the devil is this, he's called the accuser of the brethren. It's along the ways he's saying, you know, you, you mess up, especially you do something. Oh man, I blew it. I messed up. And he comes along and says, you sure did. You really suck. don't. I don't. No, you believe that. And there's an identity with that, that you've messed up, that you've screwed up. And and all this condemnation comes on you. No, 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 no. No, that's not true. That's not true. And so faith protects us of the goodness of God and who he really is. And go, no, that's not who I am. That, and God's goodness is there to cover my doubt. So important. Shield of faith. The, the, The next Peace, it's kind of the defensive piece is this, take the helmet of salvation. And the helmet, you know what it does? What does it protect our mind? It's the way we think. Satan tries to come us and stumble our way of thinking and understanding the work of the grace of God. He wants us to think that somehow salvation is on our own way of doing it and our own way of getting good and getting connected with God. And so we can get caught up in the work that we're trying to do and pride comes in. What happens with pride? We become weak because we don't need God anymore. 
The opposite you can feel is this. We can say, man, I don't deserve God's grace and the shame that comes on. And our minds are the ones that tell us, no, no, no. The logic is this. No, I am a follower of Jesus. I put on the helmet of salvation to remind me of that, of who I belong to. In fact, you could write this in. It's bad English, but I'll say it. Wear the helmet of whose you are. <laughs> wear the helmet of who, that doesn't make Wear the helmet of whose you are. And I hope you get that. Is it's not, it's not in just in your beliefs. It's who you belong to. If you confess Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're heading to heaven. And it doesn't matter what comes against you, come hell or high water, you're a follower of Christ. Even when you mess up, and even when you, yes, ask for forgiveness and you know, get in, get in relationship with the Lord again, but doesn't mean you're like kicked out of heaven because of it. And so the helmet protects our minds. Let me ask, how do you know you're saved? How do you know? You know, and you know. You know because of the commitment you made to Christ already. And if you haven't made that commitment, you don't know for sure, we'd love to have a conversation with you after the service. Why is baptism so powerful? Why is it so powerful? Because it's reminding us of what God has already done in us. It's a marker in our life that Joel can look back a few years from now, and we all go through it, Joel. There's times where we kind of doubt our lives and where we're at and what did God really do. You can look back on November 19, 2017 and go, doggone it, man, I made a commitment to Jesus. I, I remember that you drove a stake in the ground and it reminds you, it reminds everybody, but it reminds the enemy of your soul. I am bought. I am owned by God. I am who I am in him. Last two pieces of armor. Look at our offensive weapons. Paul goes on, he says this, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Greatest weapon we have is the Bible, but it's worthless if we don't know it. It's worthless. Just because you carry it doesn't mean you know how to use it. Paul challenges this way, to be weaponized is with God's word. And, and I would say it this way, swing your sword by knowing what it says. Swing your sword by knowing what it says. And Jesus modeled this because he faced the days of evil, actually 40 days, where he's in, in the desert, didn't eat, didn't drink anything, 40 days in the desert. At the end, the day of evil came because the enemy came, Satan himself, he faced him face to face and, and began to throw lies toward Jesus. But Jesus used three powerful words. It is written. He, know, he knew the truth, and he knew to, to combat the devil, the enemy, with that truth. Listen, your three greatest words are this, it is written. When you're faced with temptation and trials and problems in your life. But here's the thing, you can't say it is written unless you know what is actually written. And to know it deep within you. To read it, to know it, to memorize it, because the day of evil will come to you. Now, do you need some help? Do you need some sword lessons? We want to help. We're available to help through small groups, through folks in the back at our connection point. We want to get you resourced so you know how to use your weapon well. Help us, we'll help us, we'll help you do that. The final weapon, we're almost done, guys. The final weapon is this: is to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. Pray continually. Paul's basically saying this, be in constant communication with your commander. See, one of the greatest strategies of the devil, and it's the greatest strategy if you're going to plot to take out the enemy is this. The, the way if you want to isolate 
someone, that's the, that's the way to do that. Separate them out, segment them out, and be by themselves all alone. That's, if, if, if you can isolate the enemy, you can, you can take them down. And Satan loves to do it. This is a great full house of people here today. But there's some people here today, they can't make because of what happened. They're scheduled out of town. They're sick or something came up. But there's some people here that just feel like they can't come to church because maybe they're not spiritual enough or they don't feel like it. And what happens along the way is, and I'm speaking to you, it's really the people out there, but you might be one of them one day going, ah, I don't know if I really need to come. I don't really need to know if I need to interact with other Christians or anything. I don't know if it's worth doing that. Guess what? It is totally worth that. If you can get, if he, if the enemy can isolate you, he's got you. And you've seen it over and over in people's lives. We have to band together. We have to help one another. And ultimately what we're doing is we have this connection, beautiful connection with God to hear his command, his voice as the commander in chief to guide us and direct us in our lives. Prayer is the greatest weapon we can pray. What if we prayed what if we prayed every time we check our phones, we prayed? What would that be like? <laughs> what if we actually, rather than who we're, you know, we're connecting with, we connect with God? What if we took that time, that effort on a daily, ongoing, everyday basis? Prayer is the greatest weapon individually for us in God's army and, and, and part of it. It's the spiritual battles of our lives, our families, our small groups, our church, and our community. I had this vision this last week of what this might look like. In the military, what they would do is they would, um, to soften the enemy, they would bomb them. They'd come in, the Air Force and Navy planes, they'd come in and they'd drop bombs. And then they would send in the ground troops to come in. And, 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 but they softened the enemy. I'm picturing prayer that is, is the Air Force, the spiritual Air Force that softens the enemy. And, and, and it targets what needs to be targeted. What if we build up our own Air Force and had our own airstrikes? And what it's called is intercessory prayer. It's preemptive strikes that we can target. See, on the connection card that you have, it's a prayer request. You know what those are when you put a prayer request? It's a prayer, it's a, it's a, it's coordinates for a prayer target. So you're, you're, you're giving us coordinates on where to pray for specifically in areas. The Bible says pray specifically. Those are specific requests. You're giving us coordinates where to target prayer. What if you and I today, before we left, and you can take it out and write a prayer request, and here's a prayer target. But I want to encourage you to do that each and every week. But I want to encourage some of you to take a step further. Would you be willing to join the Air Force here? Would you be willing to be one that would pray and bombard and pummelize the enemy? Preemptive strikes that we could pray. Because you could take that connection card out on the side. It says, uh, I would like to serve in. And you could put the word prayer. And if your email's on it, you will receive an email every single week of the list of prayer requests if you're willing to be a person of prayer and to have and build up, we need to build up our air force. I know it's kind of cheesy, but I think it's important. How do we build up our, our coverage of prayer in our life? It's each one being a part of that, to join the air force today. Find your war room. Find a place that you can pray every single week and the time of day to do that work. It's the greatest weapon God has given us. I like our team to come as we pray. I know we've went a long time here, but I have this question. It's a very simple question before we pray, is how strong are you? How strong are you? Because it comes down to, listen, all that we heard and all that we talked about, it comes down to our willingness. Because if you think you're strong enough in your life, it's your greatest weakness. That you don't need anything from anybody, it's your greatest weakness in your life. If you're here today and you're kind of your own, no, I tell you, 
there's an enemy out there, and as I brought up over and over here, that's out to take you down. And I would be scared. I would be fearful if I didn't have Christ in my life. Because not only is, is the enemy the real enemy, but I am, my, I am the greatest enemy in my own life. And I know my way of doing things, and I, it would lead to destruction. But Jesus came as a rescue mission. And so here's the beautiful thing that's happened is that the, the war has already been won. We're going to declare it. We declare it in song every week. Jesus won the battle on the cross. What Joel experienced today and the others experienced is just an explanation mark of what Jesus did already for us. So if you're here today and you're kind of feeling kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit, knowing that there's a battle going on and there's a war after you, and if you haven't received Christ today, it's all of you. It's just willingness to surrender yourself. Say, God, I'm so weak and I need you today. For some of you, it's time to say, I'm stepping up and I'm, I'm going to join, I'm going to join the Air Force. I'm going to join the, I'm going to join the war here today and being aware of it today to put on our armor each and every day. In fact, we're going to practice right now. Will you stand as we pray here? We're not going to go through every action thing we do with that, but you can do that on your own. It might be something you need to do today. It might be saying, I'm Lord, I, each and every day I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. Lord, I'm gonna, I want you to protect my mind and my heart. Lord, I want to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I want my heart to be protected from any, anything that would come my way. Lord, I want to put on the belt of truth around the way. So I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to put on the, the, the shoes ready for, to preach and share the gospel with people that need, that need Jesus, that need, that, need, that need Christ. I'm going to put, hold up the shield of faith to protect me from the doubts of the enemy that comes at me. I'm going, to, I'm going to take the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God, and I'm going to pray at all the times. I'm going to get armed today. But as we're standing, I want to encourage you, as the Bible says, to stand firm. To stand firm in the promises he has and the, and the reality of what Christ has done in our life already. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. God, in the lives that we celebrate, God, you've changed, and you're, you're going to do more work and more things. But may we not forget the fact that this is not just what it is. There is a battle going on. And there's a battle for souls. And Lord, some way, somehow, put that urgency within us to recognize that battle. But it's a battle that we're not called to fight on our own, that you've you called us by equipping us to fight, Lord, to fight for you, to stand firm and to stand in your promises, to be strong in, in the Lord and his mighty power. We trust in that. When we're weak, we find strength in you, that we can be armed and dangerous every single day that we go out in this mission, the mission you called us to, to bring the gospel to people that desperately need it. And God, there's people that are right here today that desperately need it, even in their own lives, Lord. God, I pray that you would speak their heart and mind right now, that they can know you, have a relationship with you, just like Logan did, just like Joel did, just like others in this room have experienced that, your presence and your power, Lord. We pray this, God. And so we go out in your name. We go out ready to fight the real enemy and, and ready to help rescue real people that need you, Lord, because we declare, Jesus, you have already conquered sin and conquered death. And we celebrate that victory here. We're gonna do that here in a moment, Lord. We love you for it in Jesus' name.